to humans, leading humans towards a future of work that works for people. A smorgasbord of snackable stories to help you be a more effective leader. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whichever country you're in, I know that you're listening from literally all over the world. Thank you so much for dedicating the next half hour of your one precious life to listen to this episode, and I have a feeling you will not regret it. So today's guest is the gorgeous Claire Fox. And no, it's not the Claire Fox who ravaged me so viciously on BBC's Moral Maze back a few years ago. This is the ex-Unilever, ex-Chief Operating Officer for UNICEF. It's the ex-Chief People Officer of Save the Children, who has recently stepped out of her fairly incredible career to help other leaders achieve their potential by learning from her experience, apart from anything else. She's an inspiration in all honesty, and she has absolutely proved that by being 100% yourself at work is possible, and not only is it possible, but you do get results, and I genuinely can't wait to hear which story she chooses to tell, because I feel she has a few of them. But before I introduce you to Claire, I just wanted to say... What an amazing crowd of listeners you are, and I love getting your feedback. I love getting your suggestions for what you're enjoying, what you think could be better, who you think I should interview in Humans Leading Humans. Your feedback is, you know, it's it's really touching. It energizes me, and I just love meeting you guys. So keep reaching out. Head over to catskeely.com and sign up to the Humans, Leading Humans newsletter, which I know doesn't go out often enough, but it will be going out this week. Well, it depends when you're listening to this, I suppose, but it will be going out ever soon. So sign up for the newsletter. It's packed with interesting stuff that I think you'll find inspiring. Head over to wearebeep.com to find out more about our experiential leadership, mind shift and behaviour change programmes. We absolutely love showing leaders how to unleash the problem-solving potential of their people. Anywho, thanks for joining us. Meet Claire Fox. Claire Fox. Claire Fox, I've got you <laughs> as a guest on Humans Leading Humans. I'm so, so, so excited because we've only met a few times, but when we have, you've made such an impression on me. So do you want to tell the listeners how we first met? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So thank you. Very kind introduction. Uh, so we met at the Game Changers Women's Leadership Network event, um, which is held at the House of Commons every year. Uh, I've been going for a number of years now. It's a fantastic event with loads of amazing, inspiring female leaders. Uh, it's run by uh, Sarah Lloyd Hughes at Ginger Leadership. And you catch all one of the amazing, inspiring female leaders I met there. <laughs> 
And then we left there and I seem to remember it was a particularly beautiful summer day. And actually it was Isabel Naidu who was another guest on Humans Leading Humans, who is another of my favourite women in the world, who introduced me to Sarah, which is why I ended up there. It's this fantastic network of human-centred leaders that we're pulling together here. And I seem to remember it was a really beautiful summer day and we ended up walking down the Thames and we talked a lot about the future of work from a human perspective. And I loved it. I remember feeling so energized when you meet a like-minded person who is doing what you were doing at the time, which, let's be honest, wasn't easy. It, it was so energizing. So do you want to tell the listeners, how did you get to where you are? Yeah, absolutely. So rewind right to the start. The first thing I was super passionate about and uh, and really proud of was um, I used to compete as a whitewater slalom canoeist. <laughs> That was my uh, that was my kind of serious sport. And as a teenager, I held national titles and I competed for the Great British Junior Team and the English Senior Team. Um, and that was really my my passion, sort of elite performance and sports. And if you told me then I'd end up in an office job, I'd I'd have said that you were you were crazy. <laughs> But then career wise, so I actually studied uh, sports science because I was really interested in in the psychology of, of performance. But but whilst I was doing that, to my surprise, to be honest, I became really interested in the management elements of sort of leisure and recreation management. So career wise, I then ended up joining Unilever uh, in an HR role, you know, with this real passion around, you know, engagement and performance. And uh, I spent 12 years at Unilever. 10 of which were in sort of various different HR director roles, national, European, um, global roles, leading different business units as an HR director. And then when I left Unilever, uh, I published my first book, uh, Work-Life Symbiosis, The Model for Happiness and Balance, which basically is all about getting the most out of work and life. And I'd sort of been developing that philosophy for a number of years and, uh, and yeah, was uh, super happy to have that shared, uh, shared in my book. And after that was when I decided to change sectors completely and I went into international development. So this was a very deliberate choice. Uh, My vision for a world, as you know, is a a world, you know, that is fair and equitable and where everyone has the opportunity to fulfil their potential. I guess I wanted to make a more direct impact on that, you know, and and more of a global contribution in terms of, you know, the, the work that I was doing. So I joined Save the Children International. I joined first as a in a global HR director roles, huge organization, 17,000 employees worldwide. I did a number of different jobs there, including a big organization transformation role and then spent an interim uh, stint as the chief people officer. And then after that, I joined the United Nations Children's Fund. So UNICEF in the UK as firstly as the chief people officer, but then as the chief operating officer. But last year, I decided I wanted to bring together, I guess, my passion for living a kind of purposeful, fun and happy life, which essentially is what the book's all about. And, you know, performing your best to achieve your dreams, which I guess is what you know the, the elite sport was rooted in. Uh, so I founded my business, Claire Fox Coaching. Uh, so now I work with executive leaders and organizations as a transformational coach specializing in sustainable high performance and energy of leaders. But that's both kind of at work and sort of in life as a whole. So it's a really exciting kind of new chapter. And those leaders, I've got to say, they've got it. They're very lucky to have you. <laughs> yeah, we've got I had no idea you were a champion kayaker. 
<laughs> yeah, That's yeah, a whole new concerned. thing. Oh my goodness. That's it. The other thing is you're talking, you know, I remember doing a survey at one point when I I have a funny thing about HR, the idea of HR, human resource, you know, I, 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 anyway, so I asked a group of people, who was the best people leader that you've ever worked with, like in HR? Absolute silence. <laughs> Absolute silence. Like this is a WhatsApp group full of very, very vocal people. It's very, very chatty. And a couple of people said, can't think of one. And it's so wrong because at the end of the day, the only thing that companies need to do if they want to be successful and win is to make sure that people thrive. And so there's this real mismatch between what people leading should be, which is, by the way, all leaders, and what it actually is. Anyway, so I sent you the Create Framework. Yeah. What did it make you think? What did it make you feel? So I think it's great. I think it made me feel really hopeful, actually, because it's simple, it's clear, and it's impactful. And I think, you know, leaders often know what they should be doing, although sometimes <laughs> sometimes they don't. Yeah, but they often know what they should be doing. But having a really clear framework to help guide and support them, I think, is often the difference between actually being an amazing leader and, and not doing those things, you know, even if it's something you know. You know, it's the difference between actually implementing approaches and not. So, yeah, it made me feel really hopeful. And I think if you can infuse tools like this into leadership, I think it will make a really significant difference in, in organisations. It's almost like a reminder, isn't it? It's just, am I doing this? Yeah, am exactly. I actually incentivising people to be curious? You know, am I really being empathetic? It's just checking back in with yourself as much as anything else. Yeah, exactly. So what is your story number one? <laughs> yeah, so my first story is really about building trust and making kind of genuine connections with people and being more human. So one of my sayings is that formality is the enemy of trust. And, uh, and that's what this story is about. So in my experience, the more senior you get, the more formal things get. And that's particularly once you get to board meetings and work with trustees. And I think the more formal it gets, the more people feel that they need to sort of fit in or do the right thing. And as leaders, I think we need to break those barriers down. So when I was the CRO at UNICEF, large part of my role was communicating to the organisation. And that could be about anything, you know, initiatives, key messages, part of change management to drive culture and values. And I worked really hard to try and make these messages engaging and impactful. And as part of my role, I was responsible for equality, diversity and inclusion. And uh, this story is about during our Pride celebrations for Pride Week one year. And I was doing loads of stuff to highlight the initiatives and amplify the voice of employees. But I decided that actually the most important thing I could do was to tell my own story. So I kind of took my leader hat off, if you like, and, and wore my employee hat. And I wrote a series of blog posts about my experience of growing up gay, marrying a woman, having kids. And, you know, they were really open. They were really honest. They talked about my experiences of discrimination. They talked about some kind of really sad stuff. There were some funny stories in there about, you know, things that had happened, people's reactions. And it was a real sort of window into my life and my lived experience. And it was it was really hard to put myself out there like that. I must admit, I was worried. I was worried people would judge me. I was worried what people would say and what they would think. But it absolutely blew people away. Um, the response I had was unbelievable. It was I was overwhelmed by the number of people who proactively reached out to say thank you, to say how inspiring it was, 
you know, to say they felt this this was true leadership. You know, of all the other things I'd kind of done and all the communications I've worked on, you know, this was a thing that really, really made an impact. People said it gave them license to be their true selves and, you know, a deeper appreciation. That actually, you don't really know what people's lived experiences are unless, you know, unless you talk to them about it. And I think it was more impactful because of the role I was in. And I had a sort of similar experience during the first lockdown when we were all still reeling from the shock of offices being shut and schools being shut and people at home trying to juggle, you know, a lot of people trying to juggle home working and, uh, and homeschooling. And I did an all company, it's a really simple thing. I did an all company video and my kids were just kind of mooching around in the background. And then at the end, I got them both to come on camera and tell a joke. And again, the feedback was overwhelming. Oh, um, lovely. <laughs> I, I think. That. I think, you know, that was the, the most comments that any kind of workplace video that any executive leader had put up had ever got. So, you know, again, people proactively reached out and, and they said that the reason these communications were so authentic, uh, sorry, were so impactful was because they could see me, you know, my authentic self and leading in an open way like this just gave them license to feel like they could be themselves and do things differently. It was really an important moment, I think, in my kind of leadership journey to see how much impact being kind of really brave and putting yourself out there can have, you know. I was just going to say, talk about courageous. <laughs> I'm uh, Somehow, for my sins, I appear to be heading up a charity at the moment, as well as my day job. And so I've started to understand a little bit more about how charities work. And obviously, I've worked at the UN. And, and so... I think in corporate culture, it's really hard. And Debbie Vivangas, who's at IBM, who's a previous guest, she talked about another time where she started talking about mental health, but again, in a really honest, open, it affects all of us, let's just get it out their way. So I can imagine for you to think about doing that is one thing, but to do it, that must have been a really difficult moment for you. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. But you know, I very quickly got so much support that I realized you know that was it was a, it was a right decision and as I say it was a series so uh, so that was great once I'd got all that positive support from the first one it, it was a bit easier and I think you know formality and kind of institutional approaches get conflated in organizations often with professionalism but they're really not the same thing and I think you know, I feel really strongly yeah exactly and I feel really strongly that you know having fun having a laugh that's not unprofessional of course you need process and professional standards but that doesn't have to be formality you don't need people standing on ceremony feeling like they've got to do things in one particular way and actually showing yourself in whatever way kind of works for you communicates so much. I also struggle with people talking about it doesn't seem very professional it's like what what does that mean it's like Sophie, uh, who's the CEO of the Marketing Society, who is uh, who sponsors this, they, we're partnering on this podcast. She always says, if you want something done, make it fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. just so true. It's like play is not diametrically opposed to work. And in fact, right. those two things, and if you, and I think what really resonates with me about what you've just said is that if you're not modeling the behaviors you want your team to, to manifest, You'll never have them change. They will never do it. Because if they're seeing you behave one way and expecting them to behave another, just forget it. Yeah. Love yeah. your story number one, Claire. Thank you. What's your story number two? So it's a nice segue, actually. So my story number two is about role modeling and about how important that is. Leaders not walking the talk has actually become even more of a kind of issue and um, even more important in this sort of new age of 
increased homeworking and you know so much stress and anxiety in the workplace you know we know that's on the rise and the sort of role modeling of leaders has become even more important in that context so I was representing the UK on a global conference call and it was with uh, leaders from uh, you know different countries around the world all representing their organizations and we were sharing best practice about you know programs different countries had in place to support mental health and well-being and I was out whilst I was on this call I was out walking yeah, we all know sitting at our desks all day, staring at the screen is bad for us. It's you know bad for our mental health. It's bad for our physical health. And I actually find it easier to concentrate uh, when I'm not staring at my screen. You know, when you're looking at your screen, it's super easy to just flick to your emails. But you know, if I'm out walking on a call, I, you know, I find I concentrate much more. So I was doing that on this call, and a guy from one country was talking about all the amazing programs they had in place, and it sounded brilliant. And I thought, wow, yeah, this is really impressive. That'll have such a good impact on your employees. And then it came to my turn, so I sat down in the park. It was a nice sunny day. Put my camera on, and uh, you know, I said, oh, I'm just you know sitting in the park, and then I talked about all the initiatives in the UK. And this guy that had just been talking about everything that they were doing said to me. He said, oh, Claire, if, you know, if someone in my team was on a call and I found out that they were sitting in the park while they were doing it, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how I'd react. And You're I just thought, kidding. no, no, seriously. And I just thought that's so ironic. And it undermined, basically undermined everything he'd said about all of the programmes and initiatives they put in place. Because, you know, it was sort of saying, yes, we want to put these initiatives in place, but actually you can't really change much. You can't really do anything too different. You know, you, you still need to be sitting at your desk. And I just thought it was such a shame because it was undermining all the good programs. It wasn't giving people license to do the stuff that would really make a difference to them. And it was missing a great opportunity, you know, getting out fresh air movement, super important. We all know that. So, yeah, I just think it was such a shame. I thought it really undermined, you know, all the messages. That is insane. It's insane. I the listeners will know by now that I always I do 12,000 steps a day. I'm like a walkaholic since this craziness <laughs> started. And quite often as I'm walking, I'll uh, say to the person I'm on a call with, I'm just going to stop for a second and send a photograph of where I am. And I'll be, I don't know, in the woods or by the river. or And they always go, oh, my God, are you outside? <laughs> yes. You don't stop thinking because you're walking. And funnily enough, all of the kind of co-creation programs that we run at BEEP, the walk and talk is something that people always are not only trying, but mm. seeing the power of sitting in a, or standing in my case in front of a screen is not the best place to be for the human head. No. <laughs> Guys, don't do it. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's brilliant. And, and what's your story number three? So this is about leaders really needing to have crystal clear boundaries and but then having the personal integrity to actually stick to them. It's really important that you work out that, you know, the leader that you want to be and then you've got the courage to be that leader. And I think otherwise it's quite easy to sort of be metaphorically pushed around by by stakeholders. But, but you do have to accept the consequences of this because, you know, there might be some. And I say to my kids, you know, you have to do the right thing even when no one is looking. And for a leader, I think it's that you have to do the right thing, even when everyone is looking, you know, when you know it's the right thing, but no one else can see that or everyone can see it, but no one else will say it. So I'm not suggesting, you know, you don't take other people's opinions or perspectives into account. Of course not. You always need to listen to other people. But I'm talking about where it's a matter of values and integrity or when something is right for you as a leader, despite sort of other people's uh, disapproval. So. 
one of the global organizations I worked for, I had a really tough experience. I was newly appointed onto the executive team and it was the first executive meeting I was attending, you know, as a sort of full member. And I was super excited about it and I'd done it to prep and I really wanted to impress. And my working pattern at that time was that I needed to leave the office by 10 to 5 because uh, I had to get back from central London to pick my kids up whose after school sh- club shut at six o'clock. Uh, but this meeting was scheduled to finish at five o'clock. So I considered whether I would make different arrangements for that day for my kids. But then I decided, actually, this is going to be an issue, you know, every meeting and every day that, 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 you know, there's a meeting that goes on that late. So I'd rather start something to go on and just, you know, make it clear that that was my working pattern. So I let the CEO know that, unfortunately, I'd have to leave 10 minutes early before the end of the meeting. And I gave my apologies. And it was only the AOB. And I said I didn't have anything to add. And that was accepted. And that was fine. So I thought, OK, great. At the meeting, though everything overran really badly. So by the time it was like half past four, you know, we were sort of halfway through the agenda. There were hours of content left, but no one seemed to be acknowledging it. You know, everyone was just carrying on as if everything was was perfectly normal. And I was getting more and more nervous. And I was thinking, you know, what am I going to do here? I was sort of feeling really stressed about what do I do? Because if I get up and leave, then surely that's going to look really bad. But then again, I can't not leave because, you know, well, the after school club will shut and you know my kids will be waiting there for me so you know I was sort of getting more and more worried about it and then I just thought actually what sort of person do I want to be what sort of leader do I want to be I've made this commitment I've explained it it's not my fault the meeting's sort of running wildly over you know I've worked in international development I've worked in crisis situations so I know that sometimes there are times when you need to drop everything and get work done. But, you know, this was not one of those situations. So uh, it got to 10 to 5. I packed my stuff up and, uh, you know, made my apologies. And I left. And honestly, you should <laughs> you should have seen the look on everyone's faces. It was like I'd stood up on the table and danced around, you know, sh- oh. shouting, shouting something oh. offensive. <laughs> you know, everyone yeah. was- so I, can, I can just feel the tension. I could, I, for everybody who's listening will be going... <gasps> Oh, no, I've been there. Carry on, then what? Then what? So, yeah, so so I left and, you know, I felt awful about it, but I just thought, no, you know, integrity matters to me. I've made this commitment. You know, I'm not going to allow the weight of kind of someone else's expectations make me into a, sort of a person or a leader that I don't want to be. So I did it. I left. And the next day I did actually drop the CEO a note. In fact, probably did it that evening just saying, you know, you, you do remember I had, you know, I had let you know that I was going to have to leave at that time. You know, if there was anything important I missed, please do let me know. And, I, you know, I can come back to you. And they did apologise and say that they had forgotten, which I think was apparent by the sort of reaction at the time. But th- the point is, you've got to be the leader you want to be, even if it feels really, really uncomfortable. And even if other people don't like it. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. As you're telling the story, I'm just thinking about so many moments because, you know, we all have that that child inside, don't we, that thinks, oh my God, I'm pushing against the grain. What are people going to do? And you're dead right. Again, it's about making the real priorities. Now, people talk a lot about kind of work-life balance, but work-life integration has to be the way forward, surely. We have lives. Work is part of that life. Yeah, absolutely. And well, I mean, my philosophy is work-life symbiosis, so that actually what we're doing is setting our life and our work up so that you get 
you know, positive contribution. You get more out of work because of the things you do outside of work that give you energy. And then you get more out of the things you do outside of work because, you know, your job gives you energy. So, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's really important for me is, you know, get, getting more out of work and life because of all the different things that you do do and that you do invest your time and energy in. Absolutely. And funnily enough, I've just been reading an article about uh, investing and, you know, Glassdoor, Glassdoor, whatever you may think of it, it's an opportunity for people to say, you know, I recommend this place. These are the pros. These are the cons. I would recommend my CEO. All of that, uh, you know, interesting or not. But what is interesting that apparently uh, this guy has been uh, investing in the top 10, top 20, and they've done 200% better over the S&P 500. The top 10 have done 200, 2.2. So allowing people to be themselves, creating environments where they can thrive, creating environments where actually they feel fine to stand up and walk out and don't think, oh my God, is this gonna impact my career because they don't think I'm committed. That's leadership. And that means that your business or your organization is going to be more successful. Absolutely. It's common sense. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, yeah, you know, I, I did have a moment where I thought, yeah, I've really built strong trust here when some someone in my team phoned me up one morning and said, look, I'm really sorry, I can't come to work this morning because I've got a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, brilliant, you know, we're all human. Occasionally, we all overdo it. You know, this was a, 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 a trusted member of my team who was a hard worker and you know they'd gone and overdone it a bit the night before but instead of feeling like they needed to phone up and say oh I've got a migraine or you know I've ate a dodgy dinner last night they felt able to just tell me the truth and I just thought that was absolutely brilliant I was really grateful for that and you know and I thought that was a that was a really good bit of feedback for me that I'd created an environment where you know they felt like they could just be, <laughs> be honest and I would just deal with it like we're all humans you know we've all done it haven't we we've all woken up and gone Oh no, how can I have done that? How can I make a yeah, yeah, and you're exactly right. Why should you have to lie? At the end of the day, good people work really, really hard. And sometimes we make mistakes because you know what, we're human. But no, that that again is brilliant. You you snuck in a little fourth story there, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> She's a short one. Sorry, <laughs> I love, thank you so much for your time and your energy. And of course, there is just one last thing that I always ask my guests, being all about co-creation. What shall we call your episode? Yeah. Humans leading humans. Oh, yes. What should we call it? Uh, I did have a, a bad little think about this. One of the things that someone um, described my style as with my stories was professionalism with a personal touch which I thought was a possible contender or doing the right thing even when everyone is looking. But, think, <laughs> <laughs> but if you want something shorter, I think Walk the Talk is pretty pretty simple and uh, on the money for the things I've talked about. Walk the Talk? Walk, walk, Brilliant. The, talk. walk the Talk. Amazing. Claire, you are an inspiration. I can't thank you enough for your time and your energy and your expertise. It's been really fun. And I knew your stories would be awesome. And I bet we could stay on for another hour telling stories. (laughs) So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much, Kat. Brilliant. Just brilliant, Claire. Formality is the enemy of trust. What a great quote. 
Yeah, and you know, I, I guess this is why the CREATE framework is important. It's only a frame, framework, we know that. I mean, it's taken a really long time and a lot of experience to get to that framework. But when you're surrounded by people who are locked into the way that things are done, it's really, really hard to just remind yourself of the common sense of how would I want other people to behave to me? And just checking in, look at that framework. Are you incentivizing people to be curious, to be collaborative, to really communicate? And I don't just mean saying the things that are comfortable, I mean actually incentivizing people to be open and honest and listen and have real communication between people. Yeah, you're, you know, as Claire says, your job as a leader is to break down the barriers. It's exactly what Dan Ariely said in his episode, bureaucracy kills motivation dead. And her story about talking in Pride Week about who she really is, about her wife and her children. It's exactly, you know, what Sarah Benison said in the last episode about the fear that she felt when she sent that note to all of her team, all of her staff, talking openly and honestly about the challenges of menopause, because do you know what? Life isn't always easy. And being impactful with communication, and there's all sorts of research on this. It's not about saying all the good stuff. Uh, don't just, you know, try and pretend everything's okay all the time, because it isn't. Communication is about being yourself, so that the people around you, that the people who are heading up to being as brilliant as you are, can be themselves. So stick your neck out. And, you know, all this professional stuff, I hear it so often. Well, that wasn't very professional, was it? I don't even know what it means. What does it mean to be professional? We do not do our best thinking. We don't ideate. We don't innovate when we're locked at a desk between nine till five. So, you know, and I know lots of people say it and, I'm, you know, it's, it's a meme, but be the change you want to see. We are not machines. Be brave. Stand up or sit down or walk or whatever it is for what you know to be right. Listen to your tummy. Again, there's loads of research to prove. If it feels right, even if it's hard, just do it. Dear listener, I really, really hope that you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. As I say, if you want to find out more about uh, We Are Beep, my company, and how we help leaders to create environments where humans thrive, head over to We Are Beep and everything you need to know about it is there. Or go mad, dear listeners, email me, cats at wearebeep.com. I will always respond to people who email me. It may not be immediately because I'm a bit busy, but I will respond. And what you say to me is so important. So if you've enjoyed today's episode as much as I have, then please share it 
especially if you're a gay leader, pass this episode on. Because do you know what? We have the responsibility to stand up for what we believe in. You have been listening to humans leading humans towards a future of work that works for people. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Marketing Society. If you are a senior marketing leader and you need the know-how and the networks to succeed and you're not already a member of that brilliant tribe, jump over to their website and become part of the tribe. I would absolutely 100% recommend it. There's some amazing people and some inspiration in there that you don't want to be missing. Thank you to the fantastic Superterrania for the magical sting of stings. Go to We Are Beep to find out more about the Create framework and how we support companies by building cultures of connection and collaboration and unleashing the problem-solving potential of humans. If you loved this episode, and I certainly did, please pass it on to your friends, share it on social, give it to your friends that you think might need a shot of inspiration or motivation or energization. Thank you so much for joining me. If there's a senior leader you'd like me to interview, don't forget, mail me, cats at wearebeep.com. Please subscribe. The links are in the note. Be inspired. Be imaginal be more human and i look forward to seeing you for the next episode